What's up, y'all? I'm Coach AJ, and I'm on this journey to living and loving a dope life. It is my mission to convince as many as possible that they are created for a purpose while living and loving their dope life. Join me as I share my progress with you as I continue to become the dope person I need to become. Each week, I'll share what I've learned along the way while doing my inner work. If you want to live and love your dope life, you're at the right place. Welcome to the Dope Life Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Again, I am Coach AJ, uh, the Dope Life Coach. And I want to start off by saying thank you uh, for tuning in week after week, episode after episode. Uh, It's my duty to put out dope episodes to help you live and love your dope-ass life. But I have to say, this is a very special episode to me um, because today's episode is, is introducing a guy that helped me through my seasonal depression uh, about three or four years ago. Um, he's very much known in my household as Machu. Yeah. <laughs> like he's known in my household as Machu. And I'm not going to lie, my dad's going to have a kick out of this. Um, he has a very successful YouTube channel called Ross um, Kitchen. Like, let me tell you something. I'm a fan. All right. I'm a fan. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to introduce you guys to the Ross Kitchen himself. Machu. Happy to be here, AJ. So cool to meet you finally. And absolutely yeah, following you as well on the Instagram. So right? Yeah. We've we've been following each other back and forth. Uh actually I think it was around the time I bought this mug and I tagged you in it. And then, you know, it was funny because my brother's like, it's pretty cool to let you have Machu following you. I'm like I mean, he's, he's, he's like, you know, he's a Canadian like us. Like he's mad cool about it. Like, why not? Before we get into it, I mean, why don't you tell the people a little about yourself? Sure. Uh, yeah. From Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and grew up sort of always playing around with cameras and filming each other, skateboarding and snowboarding and antics and that kind of thing. And end up going to school for broadcasting and oh wow. Did not get a job in TV or radio as I intended, but eventually, what was it, 15 years later, finally started doing uh, more video stuff as a job and mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm a content creator as that's sort of become a thing. It's a thing that didn't exist when I went to school. So you know, that's like, I guess that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that you mentioned um, that you went to film school. I went to a music industry school. I was supposed to be an A&R rep. And in Canada, it's a little bit different, let alone Toronto. I'm also from Toronto. It's it's very, it's difficult, right? Like, it's not as easy as maybe people may seem. So uh, I tried film and film marketing. And yeah, I just left the entertainment industry. I, was like, oh. <laughs> I, just, I just, I tried music, I tried film, and I just said, this ain't for me. Like, I'm glad that I tried it, you know, but it just, it just wasn't for me. But, um, I just want to say like, honestly, thank you for you, YouTube page. Like I said before, like I, I suffer from seasonal depression and, um, I came across your page one night, I think it was like two o'clock in the morning. Like I could not sleep (laughs) to save my life. And I was like, what is this? Like, I was very much like a white man in Jamaica, but not even Mm. Jamaica as in like the touristy era. You were like in the Jamaica that I am remembering like country. So I was yeah. just like, this is very interesting. And I kept watching video after video and just the way that you and Moko just kind of like interacted with each other. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like this is, this is pretty, like I even feel like it's so crazy. I saw a video of Rati and I'm just like, I remember when Rati was a baby, like just things like that. And it's just, it's honestly, it's an honor to have you. Um, 
what made you because <laughs> a lot of people think about jamaica they think about like i said the tourist areas what brought you to moko and his family because you've done a lot like you put his his place on airbnb and all these things like what brought you to there yeah i mean there's a few influences i suppose so growing up i was really into hip-hop and reggae and dub and drum and bass jungle mm -hmm. and you would hear this heavy patois kind of rasta influence in the music even dance mix 93 type stuff there's a lot of jamaican influence jamaica influences music in a massive way yeah and it's kind of curious about who who are these guys that i'm hearing what are they saying what what is this and after going to school i had the i just try, trying to think of creative ideas that i could do as far as videos and i thought oh you know i tell I don't know anything about ITAL. That's interesting. Oh, no one's really done anything about ITAL. What if I tried to do an ITAL cooking show? And mm. then I couldn't find anything on the internet, even back then, which would have been 2009, probably. Okay. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I can just go down and and find someone to do an ITAL cooking show. So I found Moko on a website called Worlds Together Travel Network, which is an alternative travel website hosted by a family from Michigan called the Bernies and they're, they're just the coolest family ever. So they had travel opportunities for people who wanted to go stay with a family in India or, you know, rural Peru. And then they had, Oh, you can stay with a roots Rastaman in Jamaica. And it had Moko's phone number. So I just called him up. Right. And said, hey, you want to do a show? And he just said, yeah, man, that's literally the story. It was uh, <laughs> One minute conversation. Okay, I want right. Can you pick me up? Yeah, man. Okay, and that was off to the races, really. Wow, and that's what kind of like started your friendship initially, because it seems like what I've noticed, you're part of the family no matter what. Like you've just kind of yeah. blended in with them very easily, and you know they always look even just the way they say match you. Like it's just a way of like one thing that I love about my culture is just how we endear and bring people in. Like we're very heavy on that mm, and just, yeah, we're very heavy on just bringing people in. And I think that's one thing I've learned is the hospitality there is always the best because not just cause like my parents are originated from there, but just mm. how we, it, it's so different compared to North America, how we, tr how they just treat each other. It's very, very different. It's wholesome. Um, so you were, as you said, you were trying to start like get creating content. What made you say, okay, like, YouTube's the way to go. Like what brought you to that? I hit a huge giant brick wall, basically trying to make a TV show. Cause like I went to broadcasting school, right? Like uh, classic TV radio. Yeah. And I no, there was no jobs back then. It was, I graduated in 2007. So yeah, like, exactly. I remember those times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think career in broadcasting. <laughs> Yeah. And I think if I remember, that was a time where like a lot of uh, companies were being bought out by the you know, conglomerate ones that we know today. So it, it was a shift at that Big time. Shift and yeah, odd timing. And I tried to pitch it. I, I did have some pitch sessions. I made a little trailer from what I cut that first shoot in 2010. Uh, I did actually get in at Food Network in front of some people and pitch it. Right. I hand delivered a calabash bowl with a USB and a little note to Vice because I thought, oh, for Vice Munchies series, Munchies was just beginning at that right. time. Like, this is perfect. Perfect. This is so off the beaten track. It's authentic. Walk was an amazing character. This is so unique. No one's done it. Vice is going to be all over this. And it was just 
crickets. No one was interested at all. So the YouTube thing really came about because I had such a good time hanging out there. I still believed that Moko is such an intriguing guy. And I think other people would vibe with that. So even though I had executives telling me that this is not marketable, this is not mainstream, it's not really a good idea. I still thought, okay, even if it's not mainstream, I still think that it's cool. And a handful of my friends thought it was amazing. So I got to thank the support of some of my close friends. And I thought, okay, well, we can just put it on YouTube and try, right? Because there, there's no cost of entry. There's no gatekeepers. There's no kissing butt to get in the door. You just make something and put it out. So yeah, that's what I out. love about YouTube, right? And I think like, if you look from 2007 till now, we're almost in 2023 content creating on YouTube has completely changed since then. It's Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the skill level too. I mean, I've been doing video shooting since I was a kid and, right. and, and I'm in my forties now. And, you know, over time I got better at first when people were like, Oh, just put it on YouTube. I thought, Oh, that's such a cop out. That's what you do when you fail, you know? And now after all this time, I mean, it took a long time to get there, but I'm glad it kind of worked out that way because I, it got to, I got to keep it independent. There's no boss telling you what to do or what you can do or right. don't show a spliff or you can keep it way more real. And I yeah. think keeping the control, the creativity is probably one of the, the most important things. Yeah. And I, I think as a, as a fan from a few years ago, just to seeing like how many more people subscribe and how it builds and, you know, yeah. reading the comments underneath of like people who are in, uh, in Canada or in other parts of the world and like, oh, this makes me feel like I'm back there. And during mm -hmm. COVID I was using your videos heavy <laughs> because <laughs> I, <laughs> I couldn't really travel anywhere. So it was just kind of like, okay, there's the ocean. Okay. There's Escovich fish. Okay. There's the, the, you know, like it's just, just all of that just made me feel as if like I was there. So I think you putting it on YouTube was huge because you have like over, I think it's over 700,000 uh, subscribers now. So mm. that's, 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 that's pretty big to have that all to yourself. I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, I have a question and I know you, you probably don't even know, but like how many times have you been there now? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I had a uh, feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of lost track. I mean, the pandemic threw a wrench in the plans, obviously. So those two years, I went less. This year, I feel super blessed because I've got to go three times. So I've spent two months in Jamaica in 2022 over three different trips. So that's been so awesome. And I, I just, yeah, I was just there. So fresh off the fresh off the flight. So I'm jealous. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm very yeah, jealous. I can't complain. And, you know, if anyone told me, hey, you'd be doing this for... A, a job a living yeah. yeah i wouldn't have believed it and especially during the beginning of youtube because like you said we're up to seven hundred thousand subscribers now i started the channel in 2010 didn't post till 2011 and in 2017 i still had under ten thousand subscribers right mm. so not that i was going full on on it it was sort of just post when i could it, and just... it was really a side thing i, I just could right. not afford to commit the time to build it. And I wasn't as good. I couldn't do things as fast. I didn't know how to chop it up quick and what content I was going for. But, um, 
yeah, it's a really slow growth or for me, it was anyway, some people right. seem to put something out and they blow up and go viral and it's like, Ooh, that's easy. And that's so awesome. And that's kind of a shame because I think for most people, like the vast majority, it's a real just grind of consistency and slowly building and getting the right, um, fans and supporters gradually. It's, it's not yeah. a big right out the gate thing. And it's slow, I, even slow with, grind. even with, even with that, I think it's important that you kind of go through the slow grind because if you notice when they have that one viral video, it, eventually it just kind of like sizzles out. And exactly. I think, exactly. So the more that you have the consistency with it, it's important. Also, I'm very big on like when I post my content that am I in the right mental space to even do it? Like, like that's mm -hmm. very important to me because I don't want to put out something that I'm just putting out just to put out. Like I actually want it to be meaningful to something. What has this um, entire, like this adventure that you've been on, what has it taught you the most? I mean, one thing that comes to mind and, it, and it's refreshed every single trip is just gratitude for being where I'm at. Um, especially when it comes down to the simple things in life. So I just got back, for example, and I was staying at my friend Peter's place and uh, the water was gone, which is, you know, in Jamaica, sometimes you're out in the rural areas and you don't have a tank. Sometimes the water is yep. just out. So we had no water for four days, no fresh water. So we were surfing, coming back all salty, couldn't shower. You know, luckily there's a waterfall just 15 minute drive away. So we drive to the waterfall, could have a shower, fill up mm -hmm. drinking water, water to flush the toilet, all that kind of yeah. thing, you know? And then I booked an Airbnb in Kingston after that. I was doing some stuff over there and I show up at the Airbnb and it, that place happened to be out of water too. I'm like, oh man, what's going on? So yeah. being so salty and sweaty and just something simple, like having a, a, a clean shower or, you know, in Toronto, I, I've never had that problem where my water's out. So no. these little simple things that you very easily take for granted, being somewhere like that is such a good reminder that I'm so lucky just to have running water and mm -hmm. forget about hot water or whatever. It's clean and, and like no one's getting sick. It's the, the simple things are, it's really easy to write them off and kind of forget about them. So that's just yeah. one thing that comes to mind from just this past week. Yeah. I, I could see that. Cause if like back home in our, our family uh, spot, if the tank is out, the tank is out. If it didn't rain, it didn't rain. Like there's, yeah. it's, it's if unfortunate. You've got a waterfall or a river or yeah, or if a gully or something, yeah, you're mm. good. But if you don't, like, you're kind of just SOL a little bit until mm -hmm. that kind of fixes back up. And you're absolutely right. Every time that I go away and I come back, I always tell my mom, like, I'm grateful. Like, there's just like I'm very much grateful. And but in the same aspect of it, as much as they may be out of water, have you ever noticed that they're actually a lot more happier than we are here? In a sense, general like, vibes too. And the other thing, generosity. Is yeah. Amazing. You can go somewhere in Jamaica and, and meet them, and you might meet someone that doesn't have a lot, and they're going to share with you. You know, they got they just pick some ripe banana. They're going to give you some, some banana. Yeah. Everyone kind of shares. So there's a real feeling of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that level, everyone does kind of help each other out, which is it's really nice to see and refreshing. Yeah, there's a, um, my dad, you know, like there's a thing they have where they call, uh, they run a boat, which basically means like everyone brings something yeah. and they cook up. Yeah. So every now and then I talk to my dad, he's like, oh, I'm making a 10 speed. And I'm like, okay, like <laughs> he's making a big pot of whatever. 
But like even that, like I tell my friends, like no, like back home, like they would, you would bring something, I would bring, all of us would be eating. There's not mm-hmm. a time where someone's going to be left out. It's like everyone's, everyone's gets fed, everyone gets taken care of, even mm-hmm. if it's not a lot, it's something. And just like that, that type type of generosity and camaraderie, I think, I think we missed that here a little bit. Just a, yeah, just a smidge. And knowing your neighbors and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm lucky where I live, where it's actually very. Even though I'm kind of downtown, it's, I still know a lot of my neighbors and it's much more right. than other places. But there's other parts of the city where I lived where I had no idea who anyone was even on my on my floor or across yeah. the street. It's kind of everyone's got the the blinders on. So, you know, you go to J- Jamaica or places like that, you know, people know each other. People vibe with each other. There's a lot more yeah, social aspect. Yeah. Learn is stuck in their own little world, which is a good thing, I think. Right. Being that you've traveled like so much back and forth, like you went there three times this year so far, mm-hmm. how do you, uh, what are the benefits you've seen in your mental health since you've been on this adventure? Well, my big mental health thing I've realized is surfing is pretty much my mental health savior. So mm. when I'm in the ocean and in the water and doing that activity, it's very much like a meditation. You can't think of anything else. You're somewhere beautiful in nature. Your body feels different because you're even have a different material around you. Right. You know, that the wildlife thing, whether you're with dolphins or pelican flying by or, you know, whatever, that's my kind of mental health thing. So the fact that I, it may not be amazing waves every time I go there, but I'm still going to get out in the water. And the fact that I can do that over there regularly is such a huge boost. So we had such good waves the last trip that just brings it up to a whole other level right um, with my buddy peter we're just like so stoked on life oh my god this is so good so yeah that's <laughs> that's my thing and, and weather too i mean i i actually do really love um part of the winter in canada but certainly i don't enjoy the whole thing based on the activities i like so that's been i feel very grateful for that that i can catch a little bit of winter and then take off and then you know, you have a balance between, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a huge part that, uh, I, I think a lot of people were suffering with the last two years with being, um, kind of restricted from traveling. Okay. Um, tra- traveling is a big one for me, uh, just because it's, I like the ocean and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. the Lake Ontario is not really gonna <laughs> do exactly what I would like it to do. Um, but try, I agree with you. Traveling is people don't see it, but if you were to budget out part of your budget, just say, okay, I'm going to travel twice a year and you just put money aside to go. You, I think a lot of Canadians would be a lot more happier during the winter time. It's way easier to travel than people think. It just depends where you go. So very specifically, I generally travel the locations. I mean, Again, we're lucky and have this advantage, but if you make Canadian or US dollars and you go to other countries, it's just worth more or there's other countries that are more cost efficient. So exactly. I'm not going on vacation to Dubai or Los Angeles or or these places for years, like five years before the pandemic, I would do two, three months every winter and I'd go to Indonesia and wow. I would rent out my place here and that would basically cover the trip. And I was able to live off, what was it, a thousand dollars a month? That's and awesome. stay in Indonesia, you know? So people think, oh, traveling is so expensive and you have to have so much money. You can actually save money traveling if you're lucky enough to have um, work that you can do remotely, which I was doing at the time, right? So 
there's these little hacks that you can do and good for your mental health, good for your pocketbook, good for your, you know, exploration of yourself and, and the world. Yeah. And yeah I, I love doing that. It was five years in a row. I went to, went to Indonesia for that oh. reason, too, right? Because sometimes the jobs I was doing before too, were very up and down. I used to work in sales and, you know, those months were really slow sometimes or the industry I was in completely shifted. And I was literally worried about what I was going to do, but I could just rent out my place and go. And then the and stress go. on, I'm not doing this job in winter when the business is bad and I'll come back in April and get back, get back at it. So there's a lot of ways if your lifestyle or, or if your, your cost of living, if you keep that cost of living low, right? Yeah. That's the pressure's off when you're not, don't have big car payments or big, big house, or I don't have any expensive tastes really other than maybe surfboards. And even those don't and get traveling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I think you hit the nail there when you said that you could actually travel and make it work for you. I, I, mm. You know, it's glamorized how we do it. You know, you go to the all-inclusives and stuff, which is fine. I like to do those as well. Yeah, like me too. Once ways, in a while, sure. Yeah, like, I like to do as well. But I think there's you're absolutely right. There is ways around it. There's affordable ways around it. And mm -hmm. if more people, I think, in Canada were to just put that little part in their budget of, okay, I'm going to travel at least twice a year, it will make a huge difference. You mentioned um, your buddy Peter. So as a male, like... I would have, the more research I've done, I, I find that it's males try to uh, find it a little bit harder to just kind of discuss their mental health. But, you know, now mm. you're, you're a bit older now. And do you find that it's easier for you to, to go to your friends as an older male compared to, let's say, like when you're in your 20s to talk about when you're, you're having tough times and to, like, discuss your mental health? Yeah, I, I think it's easier now or or we're seeing more things in the mainstream, thanks to people like yourself, putting it out there consistently and kind of normalizing it, right? Right. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I could definitely do more, um, but share more and be more open with friends. But I feel like, yeah, it's definitely kind of come, come a long way since it was maybe when I was in high school and there really wasn't much of that going on. And I'm lucky to have a good, group of friends that I've been friends with for a long time that, you know, I, I feel very comfortable with a, a handful of my friends, you know, putting it all out there. And, um, I don't know. Mental health is an interesting thing. Cause I guess for me, I, I've been lucky. I haven't gone through depression or I, I haven't had to experience these things. Um, but you know, I've been doing some kind of therapy lately as well, just almost, preemptively or, or to help with relationship or, or you don't know when sometimes you can go down a, a dark path. And just because I right. got this far, as far as I know, without it, it, it doesn't mean it can't happen or life can't change. And, you know, circumstances you can't predict. Right. So, right. Yeah, I guess I, I'm pretty new to learning that. And I feel like it's been helpful for my relationship and definitely giving insights and, just having a third party is, a, is an interesting thing because people can get very stuck in their ways. Mm -hmm. And I have blind spots like everyone else. And obviously I don't know what those blind spots are. You, you need someone else to kind of guide you in that direction. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I really have to ask you this question because sometimes not even I understand him. How do you understand Moko? <laughs> uh, I don't all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
going there for so long. And I think the other thing too, is editing all the videos. I get to replay stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So there's something I didn't catch at that time. Sometimes I am able to go back and go, Oh, that's what he's talking about. And it's kind of funny because I have a, there's a, a Jamaican Canadian guy named Howard that okay. I met through the show and maybe five, six years ago, I actually used to WhatsApp him little clips because of things that I didn't understand to get him to translate it. Yeah. And, and much respect to Howard, big up Howard. So he would, he would get <laughs> back to me and tell me what it was, but eventually it got to the point where he said, Matthew, if you if you don't understand, I'm not going to understand. So stop sending me these. <laughs> that was kind of a good compliment. Like, okay, I guess I've kind of got. You've gotten got, it, yeah. yeah. No, there's even times like I I know family members are like, what did he just say? I'm like, you're asking me. I yeah. I, I like I'm the Canadian one. How would I know? <laughs> like I have yeah. no idea. But I think he's he's an absolute character that. Um, that I think he's the reason why I love how you display Moko so much is because we, some of us all have that one uncle like Moko in a Jamaican family, mm. maybe mm. multiple and where they're just like chill, lively, caring, you know, but funny at the same time, or we have an aunt that's the same way. And it's just nice to see. It was also really nice to see the countryside of it on, on mainstream on YouTube, because as I said, most people just think of Jamaica and they think of the tourists, the the beaches, this, mm. but the people live there. There's, and it's actually, I think a lot more healthier how they live compared to, let's say here, you know, it's, the, they're living off of the land completely. I watched an episode last week where I forgot what it was. He was making like a soup and mm. he put pumpkin and this, and then he said, I'll put cucumber. And I said, you know what, <laughs> sir, you and my father need to have a conversation because y'all be putting anything <laughs> and mixing it but my pops is 75 and he doesn't even look 75 so clearly and even Moko, i don't know how old he is but i think he's how old is he roughly uh yeah he has his his age on his website so you can look it up at Rust. okay but regardless i know it out. I, won't, I won't spill the beans but no i don't I spill the beans got more gray hair than him i'll say that and he does yeah he doesn't even look it so I mean, they're doing something right, clearly. For sure. They're definitely like, doing something the, the right. The Jamaican fitness is amazing. You, people are, you know, but I think because a lot of them, especially in the countryside, you're eating natural food, you're eating local ingredients, you're mm -hmm. probably eating a lot of organic, you're not eating a lot of dairy or meat or junk, mm -mm. generally, in, in comparison to, and even when I go down, I've just been there for a few weeks, I'm already feeling like I'm more the difference, more in shape, but just the temptations aren't there. And you're generally yeah. doing a lot of walking and you're, and you're sweating and, you know, over there for me, I'm doing surfing and hiking a lot more. It's, I guess just the active, active lifestyle over there. And it, it helps having the weather too, right? It's, it's yeah. a lot harder to go out when it's minus 20 or whatever. Yeah. And it's a lot nicer. Even, even the days that they do have the heat, um, it's, it's not so bad. Like you'll come in, it'll pass. And I think what well, actually one of my favorite episodes, which I know I got to do it one day, uh, it was the blue mountain episode where you went oh, up in the yeah. mountains and my mom watched it and she's like, yeah, that's just how it is. And I'm like, I would do it, but I'm like that drive though. I don't know about mm -hmm. that drive. I've experienced those mountain drives once. I'm not too sure <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah, the second yeah. time. But I would love to go and do the, uh, the tour 
for for Blue Mountain. I think that would be really amazing. That is um, that one's an epic one. Yeah, it's well worth that it. That was it just because yeah. you had like a. I mean, you guys need to go watch that episode. But there was a part where the sun was uh, setting, and I was like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, like look at that. It was so high up. It was cold at night. They were like, yeah, it's chilly up here, and I, my mom's mm-hmm. like, yep. Higher altitude, so it's a lot more cold. Yeah, and for I sure. would love to stay up there. What two decisions have you made um, that completely changed your life? Mm. Um, one would be I don't want to work for anyone else. So when I was 20, I used to do customer service at Rogers. Like, thank you, Richards and Rogers. You reach Matt. Virgin, Virgin Mobile, okay, don't worry. So you know the pain. So. I did that job for one year. I had the two weeks vacation. I took the two weeks vacation and came back and I said, I'm never doing this again. And that was 2002. So I guess it's been 20 years since I had a real job, real full-time wow. job, right? So I've, I've always done contract stuff mm-hmm. or part-time or had a mix and match or done entrepreneurial stuff. So there's been a, a massive amount of ups and downs and, and bad times and good times with that. But uh, I think once you get accustomed to that, the sort of feast or famine aspect, it doesn't worry you as much and you're able to go through those lean times. Even now, I still have months that aren't aren't good and I have to really consider, you know, finances and how, you know, going to work on this project still. But then you have other months that make up for it and just dealing with that and, you know, the idea of a of a set salary is is good, but it's also, it's also dangerous. It gets people to be very comfortable and they don't want to leave. And I think these days you really have to be entrepreneurial, not, not in the sense that you have to be an entrepreneur full-time, but I feel like everyone should have some little side thing on the side. Yeah. You know, because things are, we're not living the same lives as our our parents where you might've worked for the same company 40 years and got an awesome retirement package. People aren't getting that right. There's baby boomer generation coming up and things are going to be tight by the time that I retire and these next generations retire. So you have to do yeah. some kind of little hustle uh, on the side. So I, I went off a bit of on a tangent there. The, the other thing that changed my life definitely was surfing. Once I got into that, it completely changed. Um, yeah, just I, I wanted to travel so much more. I got to go to all these crazy places. I was never really much of a gym guy or a fitness guy, but the natural result of just paddling and swimming and surfing all the time, you just naturally are able to keep fit. It's a side effect mm-hmm. of something fun. So for yeah. for people that maybe aren't as into that stuff, surfing is so good. And for someone who's hunched over on a computer editing all day, like the reverse of being in the water and, and paddling around, I, I'm in my 40s now and I feel way more fit than I did maybe when I was, you know, late 20s. So... Yeah, those are the two things. Being somewhat entrepreneurial and, and surfing, those are two big, big things. Would you would you say like surfing is your form of self care? I guess I could say that. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it's it's so crazy because some people will think that um, self care has to be like the thing that you go to the spa and get a massage, and I'm like, no, no, no. You know, your, your self care could be something that you just go to whenever just to feel free. And just the way you talk about surfing, I could automatically tell like that's, I could literally picture you surfing and just feeling <laughs> free, like, okay, I'm good now. Like just being happy and yeah, being in your own element. So 
it's it's kind of interesting that surfing brought you obviously you need water for that you can't do that in the lake mm. so <laughs> you can go here i surf a lot in the great lakes just depending really? on the day yeah i'll send you some pictures it gets crazy even this okay. weekend a huge storm coming and there's going to yeah. be some pretty pretty crazy waves in the lakes they're cold but yeah there's there's spots I would never okay cool yeah. i've seen like paddle boarding but i've never really seen uh surfers yeah there. check it out check out uh yeah, just Great Lake surfing on Instagram. You'll find a whole bunch of crazy okay. stuff. Even I'll in Toronto here, it. you'll be surprised. Okay. Actually, I'm, I'm now curious. So, like, how would that would all work out? Um, you know, as you went to Jamaica a couple of times, I'm sure you've heard some negative aspects of it in terms of the crime and things like that, mm-hmm. especially if you're not on a resort. What, um, what would you like the people to know about Jamaica that they don't know already, despite what they hear about the negative aspects of Jamaica? Yeah, the the media really sells fear. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a fact. It's not information. It's it's infotainment, right? Mm. So you got to be really careful about what you listen to. And obviously, there are some massive problems in Jamaica. But I tell people, if you don't do drugs, sell drugs, or buy drugs, and you're not in a gang you're not generally around the violence that is unfortunately affecting a lot of mostly younger uh, local Jamaican people, which is, you know, brutal. And that's, but, but that type of violence, it's not when I'm going to going around in Jamaica, I'm worried about someone stealing my camera or that kind of thing. So I, especially in the countryside in these small areas, you know, I rent a car every time I'm there, I'm driving all around Jamaica. A lot of time I'm on my phone, I'm with my camera gear, like I'm by myself, Uh, you know, knock on wood, I haven't run into these kind of problems and the fear that they're selling you, you know, it's like anywhere, be conscious of where you are and how you're acting and, you know, don't be flashy and that kind of thing. But the general day-to-day vibe, if you're just, doing your thing around Jamaica is way more chill. So even when I was there, they put on a state of emergency because there's been a lot of uh, gang. Yeah, I saw that. And, and, um, you know, people call me and said, Oh my God, you're in Jamaica and there's a state of emergency. I'm like, they do that every, every time, you know, they just put, there's some more checkpoints. They bust some people. There's an election coming up, you know, it, you know already, so change things, right? It, and yeah, it did take me a little bit of time to get comfortable too. When I first went, I I would just roll with Moko, and he's an amazing guide, and he knows everyone. So if you're with Moko, no one's going to mess with you. It's it's kind of amazing, right? And then you know, as as I got more comfortable there and met more people and kind of learned how to act and and you know just got more comfortable in the place, I became yeah, a lot more at ease with driving around. And again, I, I don't do stupid things. I'm not wearing some like big gold chain and diamond thing and mm-hmm. walking down on Orange Street at, at 2 a.m. You know, I'm just use your common sense like anywhere, I think. Simple. That's mm-hmm. literally it. All right. Top three favorite Jamaican meals. Oh, man. Uh, from Moko or just in general? Just in general. In general? Well, the first one that comes to mind is a red herring rundown that Moko makes, which All is right. so good with the the grated coconut for the coconut mm-hmm. milk and the salted mm-hmm. red herring. That's number one. Um, I love roast breadfruit, fried breadfruit. Okay, you like it roasted in the Okay. And I don't know. There's so many good things. Maybe tied for third is, uh, oh, this is hard to choose. Like ackee saltfish, I could eat every day. 
Oh, I really? Love, yeah. <laughs> I love that one. And maybe uh, curry goat, throw curry goat tied in there. Mm, we're going to have that in a couple of weeks. I mean, this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. And um, yeah, I would say that for me, it's definitely acting selfish, which is a shame sometimes because, you know, we have to use the tin cans and it's like almost t- sometimes $10. Oh, per can no. here, which yeah. is ridiculous. Um, and my dad makes really good fried dumpling. Like he will mm. not give us the recipe. He will not. I kind of sort of figured it out, but it's not a hundred percent there yet. And um, one of my favorites as like a kid, my mom does it till this day, is uh, banana fritters. When the oh, bananas like, when the bananas like overripe, and she makes me mm. those stupid calls. She's like, "Hey, I have banana fritters." I'm like, "I'll be on my way." <laughs> And the sugar in it makes it a little crispy and the brown oh, around the edge. Like yeah, she makes it crispy. Girl. I'll have that with a cup of coffee. It's just it's just top tier. So I asked everyone this question. What makes you feel the most dope? What makes you feel the dopest, the greatest? What makes Matthew feel dope? Hmm. I don't know. That is a good question. I haven't thought about that one. What makes me feel dope? Uh... I mean, I can name off a whole bunch of things. So, I mean, I mean, what makes me feel dope is probably just uh, choosing the freedom thing over financial. Mm-hmm. I think that's what puts me most at ease because the things I like to do require flexibility. I don't know when, you know, the swell is coming here and I want to go surf or the snow is coming and I want to go ride and, and, that makes me feel really good to have that freedom in my choice of work that I do that if I don't want to work tomorrow and want to go drive somewhere and hop in the lake, you know, I, I can do that. So mm-hmm. that probably makes me feel dope is just having that freedom. I'm trying to be like you. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm yeah, definitely I'm working, working on, on it. it. I mean, I'm working on it too. It's still, I'm yeah. still working. it's a never ending work on it thing, but. I think a lot of people, yeah, they're chasing money too much, but the real reason they want money is because they want freedom. So if you can kind of hack the middle ground, which, you know, there's a lot of ways where you don't need a ton of money to do the things that you want. Or I love, you probably read it before too, but uh, Tim Ferriss, four hour work week book where when you really break it down, break down the costs of the things that you actually want to do. And you'll be surprised that you probably need a lot less than you maybe imagine if you break it down. Even if you're one of right. these people that wants to drive a fancy car, well, you know, I drive a basic car, but if you want to rent or lease a Mercedes, like it's not that much, but it's going to cost you like 800 bucks a month, 900 bucks a month. So, well, depending on which one, I just saw yeah, one. Yeah, depending on uh, which one. Maybe that's like a bad 20, example. Yeah, but like it's 2800, but I know what you mean. You don't need millions. Everyone's thinking they need some huge piece of pie to just do the basics, but if you actually break it down and actually decide what are the things you want to do and what are the actual costs, it's generally a right. lot a lot uh easier or attainable, less, I guess. It's far less complicated than what we really think it is. Yeah. Like it's once you just break it down per day you know, work towards it per day. It's, it's, it's actually more attainable than, you know, how society may try to scare us out of doing that. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Right? The, you have the abundance mentality instead of the, the fear mentality. Yeah, I agree. Matthew, it's been an absolute, wait, hold on. I can't say Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. It's been a- 
<laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't, I can't deny it. I've been wanting to interview you for a while. So when I said, let me just shoot my shot specifically because I thought you weren't going to be around. I don't know when you're, you're here. Cause I know you spent a lot of time. So I was like, let's just see if he's available. When you replied, I, I haven't even told my family, so <laughs> they're going to be shocked because <laughs> I'm going to show them this. So they're definitely going to be shocked. But, you know, I was just wondering if I, could, if I could have you back as a as a guest, if you're open for that in the future. Yeah, for sure. And I'll be a little better about getting back to you. The last few weeks, I was kind of all over the place. So don't I even worry. Mm. No, nah, no, nah, don't even worry about it. All right, y'all, please go again and follow Matthew. Uh, Matthew, <laughs> go ahead and tell people where they can find you on social media, your YouTube yeah, the the YouTube channel is Ras Kitchen or Ras Kitchen TV on Instagram, and then my personal one, my personal Instagram is Jabap, which is, makes no sense. I probably need to change it to something more <laughs> sensible, but it's at J A B A P, and you can see all my kind of personal travels and, okay, and other cool. stuff that's not as Jamaica related. Um, and I have another channel that I'm growing. We're just about to hit 20,000 subs, which I'm very excited for, even though it's a small milestone, but uh, it's called Earthly Eats, and it's kind okay, of a food, food travel-related one as well. So I'm way behind on that one, but that's my big thing for 2023 is to post more on that channel. All right, y'all. You have to go ahead and follow Matthew. Uh, thank you all for tuning into another Dope Life podcast. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe to, to Matthew's channel. Again, I am coach AJ. Stay dope and walk with peace and love.